Oh, man, it's, uh, it's amazing to, uh, to be back up here. Um, I know he mentioned earlier you're going to hear from the founding pastor, so you're waiting for who that person would be. Maybe someone a little wiser, maybe someone uh, a little older. I have grown a lot of gray hair since you saw me last. Um, we'll talk about that in just a minute, but uh, I think it is fitting for us to, uh, to acknowledge the work that, uh, that the staff and that Blake have done uh, since we moved into Governor's Square. It would have been Easter 2014, and uh, God called me to joyfully step aside and uh, just handed them the keys and uh, went back in the children's area for two years, and uh, they've done a great job. Would you agree? Um, you know, it's, uh, it's not just Blake, it's also all those that are serving on the other side of the walls and not on just these side of the walls, but the people that are serving in our community. I see my friend Jim Oates here this morning and so many like him that are in the trenches going outside every day. And that's the heartbeat of Christ's community. So it's great to have Jim and so many others here from the beginning, uh, those that have been here to those uh, like Doug and Diana and uh, Matt and uh, Carrie, wherever they are, um, homecoming. Uh, it's fitting that y'all are back here. You love me so much. No matter what I say, you'll go with me. So it's good. Good to have y'all back. And uh, it's good if it's, uh, it's your first week. Um, you're trying to figure out what all this is. Man, I'm just, I'm just thrilled that you're here. So thanks for coming. You know, the heart of Christ's community has always been a messy one. Um, always been a messy one, but we strive to keep that quality of humility, strive to keep that quality of loving God and loving people. And I'm reminded very, very quickly of the passage when I started to think about Christ Community Church, what we always aspired to be. Um, and I want to put that up on the screen for us now. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Of course, that's talking about Jesus and that idea of Jesus serving and giving his life, even though he didn't have to, uh, he becomes our ultimate role model, our ultimate Lord and Savior. And so may we just run to him with our mess. Amen. All right, so let's pray. God, uh, we come to you this morning and we're excited to, uh, to be here. We're excited about new beginnings. Um, we're excited about the idea of what outside means, but we also acknowledge right now that it's a scary thing to think about. It often involves something that's not familiar, something that's not comfortable. So God, may we not get ahead of you. May we not stay too far behind you. May we stay right in step with your spirit this morning as we learn together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what I've been up to uh, is maybe best capturing a picture that was taken right after, uh, sort of after I transitioned and Blake became lead pastor. And so I want to show you that picture right now. Um, that's pretty much what goes on in our house. So you see Rachel and I in the middle trying to get a kiss there. Um, and uh, Wells now, the little one there in the middle, he's, uh, he's now almost two. So he's a lot bigger and he's got a whole lot more hair and He's crazy, and uh, we love him very much. Uh, and then you see uh, my little girl, Rennie, who is my beauty buttercup. That's what I call her. She doesn't like me to call her that. She doesn't like me to really talk to her very much right now. <laughs> but I love her so much, and I tell her at least seven or eight times a day how much I love you. She doesn't care. I used to be able to say, 
Um, man, I, I, I love you so much, and uh, she, would, she would immediately respond, and now she just walks the other way. But I do love her so much, and you can see she's following the lead of her brother, who is Walker Webb, who turns eight years old today. So I thought it would be fun. Can we sing happy birthday? I'm going to embarrass him so much, but I got the mic and you're sitting there. Okay, hold on, hold on. Where are you? Come here. We're going old school, which means like impromptu, like we just do whatever. Come up here, girl. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Happy birthday to Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> that's Christ's community right there, if you were wondering. I was trying to explain it to you, but that's it. We talk about outside a whole lot in this church. And some of you that are here for the first time, you've heard Blake mention it a couple of times. And we, maybe you're here, maybe you've been here for a whole, a whole long period of time, and you're like, what the heck is outside? And so I think it's important for us as we talk about outside that we dive into the deeper waters a little bit of what outside really means. I think it'll be edifying for us, and I think it should be helpful. I'm praying it is. It's been helpful for me. Where does the idea come from, and why should I even care? about outside. Why should I even care? Uh, if you're like me, I, I love the stories that Christ Community tells. From the very beginning, we've told stories. We just, at the risk of someone getting up here and crying or messing up or running off the stage or getting a red face, whatever, we think that that is a beautiful thing. We love authenticity of people just following Jesus just like Mike. Man, how incredible is Mike? Give him a round of applause. Um, but it's not just about the people that are members of Christ Community Church. It's about the believers that are serving in our city that have compelled us to see what it looks like to serve Jesus outside. And I want to share with you one of those people. Um, her name is Marty Brown. How many know Marty? Yeah, if you know Marty, then you would, like, you'd be giving it up because Marty is a rock star. So, Marty started a ministry in the middle of downtown Shelbyville. It's actually on Clay Street, right at the corner, where we used to drive up the hill to go to Southside to church every week. And the name of the ministry is Father's Love. The intention of the ministry is to show love to those that don't have fathers and or have a lot of stuff going on. A lot of these uh, kids that come, maybe you're growing up with their grandparents, divided homes, whatever it is. Marty doesn't care. She'll just take all the kids that she can get. So this, this is sort of like a church for kids is kind of what she calls it. And the way that started, though, is no different than maybe something that could happen to you today. Um, Marty was at church one day, and a group of eight or ten kids just walked into, uh, into the room uh, where she was, and they had been dropped off for some kind of children's program. Marty immediately recognized that they weren't normally in church. So she knew her heart was just drawn to them. But when they left that day, she knew they weren't coming back because they would have no way to get to the church. And so the fact that they came inside to the church was really interesting for Marty. And as she prayed about it and watched them go outside, she knew she had to go outside to where they were. They weren't coming back 
She could wait and hope and pray and stay in her seat and just say, come on, God, bring them back and I'll love on them. Or she could recognize that they weren't coming back and she knew it in her heart, so she had to go to them. It's as simple as that, something standing, an opportunity right in front of her. And for her, outside was starting this ministry. She said, well, I could never do that. And you go down to a father's love and think, man, this is awesome. They got a building and all this kind of stuff, and they're serving all these people. Well, Marty's been doing this, I don't know, 30 years. Rachel was one of uh, the kids that, uh, that she ministered to and loved on. Um, more? We got, we got others? Yeah, several. And in that way, she ministered to me because that was my future wife. So there's no telling the generations that Marty has invested in. But you see what Marty saw. She saw kids coming inside, going back out, and she just couldn't stand the idea of them being out there on their own. They needed the Father's love, and if she didn't do something about it, who would? Who would? So she just started loving on them one person at a time over a period of time, and she still struggles, and it's not like she's got the best building in the world or the most money in the world or the most volunteers. We do whatever we can to help her when we can. But that's not the point. The point is that she joined Jesus outside. And her stories and so many others that we have learned along our journey have been just awesome for us to reflect on the story of outside, which some say started 3,400 years ago. Now, how many of you got up this morning and spent some time with the Lord in scriptures? Don't raise your hands. I'm not judging. I only did because I'm preaching. Um, <laughs> y'all lighten up. Um, how many of you, if you did that, turned to the, the book of Leviticus and just poured into that book? And how many of you, if you're, uh, if, well, and you might be, this might be the only church in Kentucky or maybe even the world that you came in this morning and said, turn with me to the book of Leviticus chapter 4. Now, you remember the old song, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. That might have been from the 80s. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, third book of the Bible. So Moses wrote this, uh, wrote this book, and that's what they believe. I, I believe it too, that this is a continuation of Exodus, okay? Genesis, Exodus. This is God's deliverance of his people from bondage from Egypt. So we're coming out of that. Now, I'm going to tell you why you don't read this passage or these, this book of the Bible, because it's a handbook of laws and regulations. Who wants to read that? Here's a bunch of stuff in certain ways you have to do it, and if you don't do it, it doesn't work. Uh, I don't like reading those books. Um, I, I really struggle to put anything together in our house, and so usually I try to put together without the instructions mess up, then Rachel has to put it together. It's kind of how it goes. I don't like rules and regulations, man. I'll call somebody up here and, and just ask them to sing happy birthday just because I got the mic. You did it, girl. Broke a rule. That's where we start, at least for today, with this idea of outside. So I want to turn, if you have a passage, uh, if you have scriptures with you, Leviticus 16, and we're going to start there. And together, we're going to discover a little bit more about what it means to be outside. If you're going to be a part of Christ's community, this is going to be important for you. So hang with me. Y'all with me? Okay. All right, let's do this. 16, verse 27. And the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. Okay, so what we're describing here is the Old Testament, right? 
And in the old covenant, the only way to atone for sin, and we're talking about God's people, they had to sacrifice animals, okay? They would bring the animal in, uh, the, the, an animal without defect. They would bring it in. They would slaughter the animal. They would use the blood to atone for their sins. There was all these re- instructions. Take a, take a look sometime and read through Leviticus. It's, it's, it's honestly interesting and very telling uh, as it relates to what Jesus did for us, as you'll see in just a minute. But the thing about this passage is when we think about outside, I want you to think about outside being a place. Outside is a place. Outside is not a clean place. It's not sanitary. It's far from being sterile. It is disgusting. It is horrid. It is wretched. It smells like a dump times 50. Outside, get it in your mind, outside is not a fun place. If you were traveling with your kids, let's say, and you were in the middle of an interstate somewhere, nowhere, and there was no place, and you're about to run out of gas, and you stopped at the gas station, right? It was in the middle of nowhere, and you had to go to the restroom, and the toilet wasn't working. It looked like it had been used. It hadn't been cleaned in 30 days. There's no clean wipes anywhere. There's a play place. The kids run out of the, uh, of the restroom, run straight to the play place. There's other kids in there. It's the middle of flu season. Um, the kids that are in there eating the steering wheels and licking the wire mesh and um, don't have, oh, and, they're, and they're playing with their shoes on for crying out loud. Um, if you're a parent, you understand what I mean. Uh, it's that much worse. Okay, so it's a dirty place. Got that? It's a dirty place. Outside is a dirty place. All right, let's look at uh, Leviticus 13 and think about what outside also might be. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Remember, this is back in the old covenant. This is what the person with disease shall have to do. Excuse me. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. Now, we're, we're going really far past a place. We're starting to describe a person that has a disease that has to yell out unclean, that is living alone. And then here we are. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. He can't stay in the city because he's dirty, because he has a disease. He's unclean. He has to go outside. Well, he's just... He's just a person, but you already know that outside is a horrible place. But outside is more than just a horrible place. Even more importantly, outside is a people. And that people is yelling, unclean, unclean, don't come near me. I am not clean. Now, when I'm talking about the place outside, it's very dirty, as we said. But when I'm talking about the person Now, they may be dirty physically, but I'm not referring when I'm talking about the person to their cleanliness. I'm talking about purity. I'm talking about cleanliness as it relates to their religiosity. I'm talking about a lack of purity, okay? We're talking about a person. We're not talking about a place. 
you know, outside for, for that set of people, for, for all of us naturally when we come into the world, is much bigger than a set of behaviors or attitudes or just being a good person. In fact, if that's what you're relying on, you're still out there yelling, unclean, unclean. We're talking about a lack of purity. What we're looking for is people that have real joy and real peace amongst the people that are outside. See, outside, as we said, is a big, big place, and it is a big, big people. Some of these people don't even know that they're outside. A lot of them don't even know that they're outside. We often hear about the people that have never heard of the gospel of Jesus. Do you know what they're yelling right now without even knowing they're yelling it? Unclean, unclean. There's a lack of purity. There's a, there's a disconnect. They, they know something's missing, but they don't know exactly what it is. They're outside. It's very uncomfortable. It's not practical. For you and I to think about a place or to think about a set of people that are outside and begin to logic how that relates to our lives, it doesn't make sense. And often, outside for this group of people is not fair. Outside does not promote justice. So, so there's a set of people that are out there that feel like maybe some things have gone wrong in their life and they're mad at the world, they're still outside. Now, here's the thing. I've had probably in 2008 when I read the passage that we always refer to. From that moment to now, you would think that I'm a pro about talking about outside. <laughs> I'm so far from it. In fact, you know, when I think about people that are joining Jesus outside, the stories like Marty are like, man, I'm just scratching the surface on what this outside means. So here's what happens to me. When I spend time in Scripture, which it is so important that you read your Bible, so important. When I spend time in Scriptures, God just does this thing with me, and it, it, uh, it reflects around the callings and the gifts and the circumstances he's put in my life. Each of you have the same purpose in Jesus. He will begin to show me what inside and outside looks, no matter what passage I read. And um, I'm like, am I just making this up? You know, like, because every time I open the scriptures, I always land on that. And then I always go back, and then they let me preach every two years, and I start talking about outside in Hebrews 13, and they say, get him out of here. There's other passages in the Bible. It's a pretty big book. But I, I just got to be honest with you. So I struggle with this idea of outside. Um, let me share with you a very long passage. Are you ready? Can we read a long passage together? And then can we just kind of like work through this together? Because just to be honest, I read this just a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, well, I'm not going to put that in the sermon because I'm not prepared and ready to talk about that. But you know, I don't know when I'd ever be prepared and ready. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read this passage, and we're gonna set this up. Because as I was reading about it, it's so powerful. I haven't really gotten through everything that um, that when when I think about outside and everything that I think about Jesus going outside for us, I really haven't wrapped my head around it all the way yet. 
So um, this, this is in uh, John. So if you have your scriptures, if you want to turn to John 18. And um, <clears throat> this is after Jesus had been denied, after, you know, he was denied by Judas, uh, and then obviously Peter also denied him. Uh, he had been arrested from the garden, and he'd been questioned, and now the Jewish leaders are involved in this situation. And where we're at with it is, um, well, let's see where this verse uh, starts. I think we have it on the screen at the very end, but I've... If you're sitting there and you're going to try to find it in your Bible, I want you to be able to follow along because it is kind of a large passage. John 18, verse 28, and then we're going to go in 19 some too. And we're just going to work through it together, okay? So this is the setting. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace. All right, stop right there. Remember what we talked about in Leviticus. These Jewish leaders are still trying to hold to that law. So if they go into the governor's headquarters or the governor's palace, they become unclean and therefore cannot participate in the Passover meal. I know that's a lot to think about. We don't have to unpack it all, but just know these Jewish leaders, because of their law, were not able to enter in. That's important. You with me? It's important. Because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them. Remember, they couldn't come in. Pilate went out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? Now, this is a conversation between them. And the Jewish leaders said, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. So here's Pilate coming out to engage with the Jewish leaders. Pilate then goes back inside. See what happens to me when I read? I just see these words. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of Jews? Is and then this is a conversation between Jesus and Pilate, right? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Man, I just love Jesus. I love, man. I'm a Jew, Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priest, uh, he said, am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priest handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. By now, my kingdom is from another place. So you see Jesus here. He was on the outside. He let them bring him to that point. And then he willingly went inside with Pilate, okay? And he even says, you know, my kingdom is from another place. And then Pilate said, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now, here is the question. Here's the question that is in your soul. Here's the question that you would wanted to know the answer to since you were a child, and especially if you're on the outside of the gate shell and unclean, unclean. Here is the question for all humanity. Right here. What is truth? What is truth? 
So now the way that Jesus is having this conversation with him and going in and out, Pilate is, you know, starting to personalize this situation, right? He says, what is truth? With this, here goes Pilate. He goes out again, right? Out to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one one prisoner at the time of Passover. Again, thinking about the laws and the handbooks and all this kind of stuff. But it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. What did Jesus do wrong? Did he do anything wrong? The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hell, the king of Jews, and they slapped him in the face. Jesus is willingly on the outside, right? He is in heaven. And as he said, he came into this world. Why did he come into this world to take this kind of beating, this this horrible display, the most unjust thing that's ever happened in all of humanity. He came here to take that, and then he willingly goes inside where the Jewish leaders won't go themselves. He goes inside, takes the flogging, right? And he could, he could call down legions and legions of angels at any moment, but he decided not to. Where am I at? Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. So Pilate's starting to back up, man. He's like, oh, hold up, man. This is getting heavy because this guy, I don't really know what's going on with him. I don't know what's going on with these Jewish people. So the tension is arrived and fully setting in. So then Jesus comes out. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to him, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priest and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law. We have a law. We have a law. It's a problem. We have a law. God help us. What does it mean when we say we have a law? Are we saying that without even knowing that we're saying it in our own lives? And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. That's what our law tells us. And he, not long ago, I heard him say it several times, these Jewish leaders said. He said he was the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. 
Now try to put yourself in each of these people, whether you're Jewish leaders or your pilot or Jesus, if you can. When Pilate heard this, he went, he was even more afraid. He went back inside the palace. Goes back inside. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate's starting to get angry, right? Because this is a guy that has authority. He says, do you refuse to speak to me? Do you know who I am? Next slide. Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. This is the same guy that asked, what is truth? Was he not discovering truth in that moment? It's like he developed a guilty conscience all of a sudden. Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, and here's where it became a problem for Pilate. If you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. So they're saying Jesus was saying he was the son of God or a king. He's equal to Caesar, and then that's a problem for you. So you have to do what we say. Now, before you judge the Jewish leaders, before I judge the Jewish leaders, how often have we played that role? How often have I played that role? Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept kept shouting, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus where? Say it again. Where did he bring him? He brought Jesus out. Jesus comes out of the palace. Set down on the judge's seat. This is Pilate, not Jesus. Set down on the judge's seat as if Pilate was worthy to sit on the judge's seat that's meant for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Set down on the judge's seat at the place known as the stone pavement. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. This had been going on all morning. Remember when they came in and he came from the garden, he was arrested. It was early in the morning. This had been going on all morning. And now, preparation of the Passover, it was about noon. Sure, probably getting hungry and tired of going through this. And Pilate says, here's your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered, which was a perfect answer to give Pilate the ammunition that he needed, right? Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. This is an amazing setup for the story that means so much to you and I that believe in Jesus. Now, you could read that story and stop right there and say, well, why is that important? Why does outside, why does this even matter? You know, there's a lot of people that believe this to be true, but they don't believe the last part. 
And the last part, which is the most critical part for all of us, is essential, and that is Jesus died, defeated sin, and rose from the grave. And when he rose from the grave, he was and became the ultimate outsider because he took all that inside stuff and squashed it. He took that book of regulations and squashed it. He took that book of law and and just stood on top of it. And now, for us that believe in Jesus, don't have to say what? We have a law. And we don't have to ask the question, what's truth? What is truth? Maybe more importantly, we don't have to stand out and say, unclean, unclean. Jesus. Here's our passage then. Just set it, God just sets it all up perfectly for us. When you read in the scriptures from Genesis all the way to the end of the Bible in Revelation, it is a thread of Jesus from the beginning to the end. And it's a story of him coming into the world. And all of these laws are yet but a foreshadowing of what Jesus is coming to demolish. For you and I, because he loved us, not because we deserved it. Do you see? Do you see why outside is so important? See why I get so fired up about outside? So then we come to this passage that you and I that have been in Christ's community forever have read and read and heard and heard and we talk about seeking the city, we talk about outside. What are we talking about? Hebrews 13, 11 through 15. Let's read it slowly. And in light of what we've learned today, what does it mean to us? The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Is that where it ends for us? Let us, let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. Outside's not a fun place. We're talking about joining Jesus to bear disgrace. Who wants to go bear disgrace? Here's why. And Blake has set this vision up for us perfectly as we move on together as a church and as we are excited about what's happening in Midland and we're excited about what's happening in the marketplace in this community and throughout the world. For here, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. 
then I'm back here and I'm praying, I'm getting ready. And I'm, man, you just, when you start reading about Jesus in Hebrews, you start reading about once and for all and all that stuff and the blood of Christ. When, and this is, this isn't going to be on the screen because it's just a late edition for me. Uh, chapter 9, verse 11. When Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man made. That is to say, not part of this creation. We're not talking about animals. He did not enter by means the bloods of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. What do we talk about outside being a group of people that aren't necessarily, they're not talking about what they look like on the outside. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death? What's this part? So that we may serve the living God. This is what outside means to us. This is what outside is. This is why it's so important. That's why there's urgency with this message. That's why when Blake talks about 87% of the people in Shelby County that aren't connected to a church, they're out there yelling unclean. That's what they're doing. They may not even know that that's what they're doing. But we know this truth. And we get the opportunity to serve a living God through this truth and through faith and, and putting our trust in Him. All right, so if you just came here and I just, you know, just went all the way through this thing, right? And you had never been to church or whatever, like, again, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. But since they only let me get up here every couple of years, I got to tell you the truth. Because if I'm going to love you, and feel like I'm loving God and loving people. i got to tell you the truth. Remember, Pilate asked, what is truth? Here's your truth. John 10, 9. Jesus said, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in. And go out. And find pasture. That means that pastor's like a beautiful calming place. That doesn't sound like bearing disgrace. But when you join Jesus where the action is, you will find that joy and that peace no matter how bad it smells, no how many kids are chewing on steering wheels or, or whatever the situation is. We know that to be true because God is faithful. So outside means for us that we get to join this missionary God that sent Jesus, that has invited us to join Jesus outside, to live for His glory, to serve the living God. Now, as we close out and the band comes uh, back up, or uh, I don't know what's happening next. Is that what's happening next? With this faith in God, we can see our community changed. We have seen our community changed. We can see the world changed. We've seen our world change. It's just the beginning of what we can do as we scratch the surface, you and I together, on what outside means. 
Here's the, here's the statement I want to leave you with today. It's uh, uh, from J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, I believe it's in The Lord of Rings. I don't remember exactly. It says this. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. So I don't have any money. I don't have any resources. I work two jobs. All we have to decide. It's just simple. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. You may not have a lot of things, but you've got time. And no one really knows exactly how much time you don't know, and I don't know how much time I have. But we know right now we have time. So I'm praying that God will uh, continue to give us strength as a church, as a people, to keep our hearts set on the city that is to come, to keep our hearts set on the outside, not on the inside, not on the status quo. It's time to get off the bench and to get in the game. And we don't do it for us. We don't, we've never done it for us. You know how long it would last if we did it for us? We'd be frustrated. We used to be so mad. We wouldn't, we wouldn't care for each other. We wouldn't want to serve together. We'd be arguing all the time. We do it for him. We do it for the cross. And we do it because he's called us to do it, to serve the living God. Let's pray. God, what a challenge. Lord, I pray for those that have never considered what it means to put their trust and their faith only in you as an unblemished sacrifice, only in you. You're the only one that could have done it once and for all to help us answer the question, what is truth? To help us demolish the idea of saying, but we have a law. Oh, God, Jesus in you, we, we just have grace. We just have grace upon grace upon grace. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, I pray today would be the day. They would say, I'm done. I'm tired of asking about what truth is. I'm tired of asking about how to apply this, how to live by a set of rules, just to give our hearts to you. It's in Jesus' name.